0: Well, I, I am extremely excited once again to be here, um, also about the entire weekend, but we'll get to that in a few hours. But right now, um, let's open in a word of prayer as we begin this last session on the 10 Unchangeables. I do hope that you're taking notes, and I hope that um, so you will remember much of what you've learned so that you can share it with others, and also so that you can live it out. As the book of James says, be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, we come to you and we ask you to open our hearts, open our minds, help us to grasp that which you want us to grasp. Help us to learn from you. And help us to leave here changed people. Different than we were when we came in. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, for the last four weeks, well, actually, this is the fourth week, I've been talking to you. And two, three weeks ago... I started talking about the ten unchangeables. Can anybody tell me at least one of the ones we've already talked about? Parents. Siblings. Parents. Kinder. Good. Parents. Good. Can we keep going? We have a few more. Brothers and sisters. I said yes. Standard history. Very good, I think you yes, I think we've pretty much hit on all of them, but we have three more for tonight and the first one um, I want to intro by saying that I hope that this series of messages has helped you to realize that God has an ultimate plan. Your life. And that's actually if I could boil down everything I've said to you over the past few weeks to one concept or one sentence, it would be that God has a plan for your life. And I want to start out by reading Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. It says, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you an expected end. Okay? So, basically all of these ten unchainables have been dealing with factors in your life that although they may seem like negatives at the time that you're going through the rough patches of your life, they could be the very things that God is using to prepare you for the calling that He has for your life. The first one we want to talk about today is time in history. Now, this is another one of those that really resonated with me because I know people that were born um, about the same amount early. I was born three months early, if you remember from when I gave my testimony a few weeks ago. There are people that were born a few years after me, that were born at that same time period, and they are completely healthy today, with no physical side effects from that. So it could be easy for me to say, well, I wish that I had been born maybe a year or two later, so technology could have been better, so I would have been able to do more. And then in in US history I often think of Abraham Lincoln. He became president. A couple months later our nation went into civil war. We fought for four years. The, the union won and kept our country together. Abraham Lincoln presided over that whole time. One of the roughest times in our nation's history. And then, just a few days after the surrender at Appomattox Courthouse, on April 14, 1865, Abraham Lincoln was assassinated at Ford's Theater. So, it's pretty clear when you look at history that Abraham Lincoln was put in his position for that time in history. And when God's plan for him was done, he was called home. And ironically, he had just um, given his life to Christ a few days previous to that. But today I want to focus mainly in this first point on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Everything in Jesus' life had to do with timing. Of course, we know that Jesus, as the eternal Son of God, um, was before time, but he consented because of his Father's will to constrain himself to a human body and therefore become to step into time from eternity. And so, the first sub point I want to talk about Jesus is that he came in God's time. Galatians 4, verses 4 and 5 say, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman under the law, to redeem them that were under the law, that we might receive the adoption of sons. So, Jesus came in God's time. It was prophesied probably hundreds of years before Jesus came that he was going to come and redeem Israel. Isaiah talked about it. And so for all these years, the Jews were looking for their Messiah. And he finally came. And some people might have been thinking, what took him so long? And some Jews today are still looking for their Messiah. Because sadly they missed the fact that he's already here. But he came in, in God's timing. And that was just one of the ways where God showed that his timing was different than ours. He started his ministry in God's time. We read in John chapter 2 verses 3 to 5 about his first miracle. He said, And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. So we have a situation where Mary, the mother of Jesus, she knew who Jesus was. I think this indicates that she was one of the first people To actually know and acknowledge Jesus for who he was. Because she knew that when they ran out of wine, he was the one to ask. And then when he tells her that his time has not yet come, there's that issue of time again. Jesus is saying, it's not my time. And I always found this a little ironic because... It was only a few minutes later when he did the miracle. But I I, I think in some respects he might have been testing their faith. But the point is, comes up in the next verse, where his mother says to the servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. She didn't know what Jesus was going to do, but she knew that if he did something it would be the right thing and it would be in the right time. He gave himself for us in his time. This is the third sub point C in your outline. Says John chapter eighteen verses four to six. Jesus therefore, knowing all things that should come upon him, went forth and said unto them, Whom seek ye? They answered him, Jesus of Nazareth. Jesus said unto them, I am he. And Judas also which betrayed him, stood with them. As soon as he said unto them, I am he, they went backward and fell to the ground. You know, I'm sure that when Jesus was arrested, there was probably some bragging about who finally took this teacher that was stirring up the people into custody. But this passage, along with the passage in John chapter 10, show us that Jesus gave himself to them. And actually, in in many Bibles, the he in this passage is italicized, which means that it was added. Which means that when Jesus was saying, in that garden, I am... He was using the same name of God who spoke to Moses through the burning bush and when Moses said what is your name he says I am has sent you So he was he was invoking the name of God because he was God and they fell backward to the ground You have to wonder if any of them had second thoughts about what they were doing when that happened. Not to mention when Peter cut off the ear of the servant of the high priest. And Jesus picked it up. He knows he's going to die on the cross in a matter of hours. But he still, he picked it up and placed it back on his head. That servant's name was Malchus, and I wonder sometimes if I'm going to see Malchus in heaven. Because how can you have something like that happen and not have your life changed forever? The fourth subpoint and final subpoint for this one is he's coming back again. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, this is Acts 1 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. So Jesus is coming again. And I have a question for each of you. I don't want you to answer it out loud, but I want you to think about this. Are you ready for Him to come again? Do you know Him as your personal Lord and Savior? The Bible says there's only two possible eternities for a human being. One is heaven, the other is hell. If you don't make a choice for heaven... To embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are making a choice for hell. And it's becoming increasingly popular today to say that hell is not a literal place. But the Bible says that hell is a fire that cannot be quenched. The Bible speaks of hell as a real place. The Bible says that hell was created for the devil and his angels, but because God cannot stand sin, he will send you there unless you trust Christ. Because when you trust Christ, a wonderful transaction takes place. The righteousness of Jesus, because he died on the cross for you, is imputed to you. You can be made the righteousness of God because he was made sin for you. He took all the sin of the entire world upon him. And the God of the universe turned his face away from his son for a moment in time. So that the God of the universe could later then say to you, I will never leave you nor forsake you. But just like if you were in a ship and it was going down, you would have to make a choice to get into a lifeboat to save yourself. Or to allow yourself to be saved. It's the same choice you have to make today. The lifeboat's there. You have to choose whether you will accept it. The ninth unchangeable, and the second one we're covering today, is mental capacity. The first sub-point I have under that is every person is valuable. Psalm 139, 14-16 says, I will praise thee. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are thy works, and that my soul knoweth right well. My substance was not hid from me when I was made in secret, and curiously wrought in the lowest parts of the earth. Thine eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect, and in thy book all my members were written, which in continuance were fashion, when as yet there were none of them. God created you. You are a miraculous treasure because you are created in the image of Almighty God. It separates you from any other creation on the face of the earth. We're the only creation made in the image of God and we're made in the image of God because He wanted fellowship with us. And he wanted it so bad that when we chose to break that fellowship, he made a way for that fellowship to be renewed through Jesus Christ. I heard a statistic recently that said 90% of babies that are diagnosed with Down syndrome before they're born are aborted. 90%. Because people have decided that they're not worth having around. But if you've ever met someone with Down syndrome, you know they can be some of the sweetest people in the world. And I think about the fact that Jesus said, "...unless you become as a little child, you will not see the kingdom of heaven." And it's interesting because the Down Syndrome people, I know, they get that right. They stay children and they're an example to all of us. The second sub-point is we shouldn't compare ourselves with others. 2 Corinthians 10 verses 12 and 13 says, For we dare not make ourselves of the number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves. But they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. But we will not boast of things without our measure, but according to the measure of the rule which God has distributed to us, a measure to reach even unto you. We're not supposed to compare ourselves to other people. God gave everybody a different capacity for things, my brother was better at math than I ever was, or ever will be, or ever thought of being, I, I know that I will never be an accountant, and never have a profession that focuses on numbers, because it's just not me. As a matter of fact, I told my mom, and I've told a few other people in my family that as soon as I get married, she gets the checkbook because I don't want to deal with it any longer than I have to. But that's just an aside. Uh, So the the third sub-point is we are His workmanship. Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. You know, it's kind of like that first passage we read up here about God knowing everything about you before you even came into the world. He has a plan for you. And you are the only one that can fulfill it. So I hope that sticks with you. God has a plan for you. You are the only one that can fulfill it. The final point that I want to make is about aging and time of death. The Bible says there's a time for everything. This is the first sub-point. A time to be born. Ecclesiastes 3.2 A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant. And a time to plug up what is planted. And I told you a a couple weeks ago that it doesn't matter what your age is because God could call you home at any time. Um, I've been to a few funerals lately and I've seen both ends of the spectrum. One friend of mine was 28 years old. he passed away in late May. And then a couple weeks ago, I went to the funeral of a 98-year-old friend who had been married to her husband for over 72 years. And I watched him grieving as he said goodbye to her. And even though they had a long and happy life together, he He still wasn't ready to say goodbye, and I can't imagine saying goodbye to someone that you've had by your side for 72 years. But Lord willing, they'll be together again soon because they both believe in Jesus Christ. But whatever your plan is, whatever God's plan is for you, you need to be committed to living a life that would bring Him honor and glory. The second point I want to make is using the Apostle Paul. When it was time for Paul to die, he was ready to go. Paul said in 2 Timothy 4, verses 6 to 8, For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, There is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them that love his appearing. Who does this remind you of that I just read about? Paul saying, I finished the race. I've done everything that God called me to do. There was someone that we mentioned earlier who said the same thing. It was Jesus. When he was on the cross, he said these words It is finished, there is no more work. That Jesus needed to do to fulfill the will of God for his life. It's my prayer that I will be able to say something similar, but I know that I often fall short. I look forward to Christ's coming, but at the same time, part of me at times says, I hope it's not today. And sometimes it's for selfish reasons because there's earthly goals I want to reach. But sometimes it's also that I haven't been hitting the target very hard. That I haven't been working as hard as I could unto the Lord. So I want a few more days so that I'm, I'm doing well when He comes. Now that's not to say that our Our salvation is based on works because it certainly is not. But the Bible says that we show our faith by our works and that faith without works is dead. So if you have faith in Jesus Christ, you will be doing good works. You won't be able to stop yourself. So I encourage you to look for His appearing, to live each day as if it were the last we had on earth. Because whether God calls you home or whether He comes, even tonight, there will be no do-overs. There is grace, though. So if you're at a place where you think you've messed up and you need to start over, then come to Him. He said... him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out he also says that if we are faithful and ju- if if we confess our sins he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness if we say we have no sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us but it goes on and it goes on to say in 1 John chapter 2 that he writes these things so we won't sin. But if we sin we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. But if you're not a believer tonight, you don't have an advocate. You have a judge who will one day pronounce sentence on you and tell you to depart from him because he never knew you. But he wants to know you. He wants to know you and he wants to use you for his plans. That leads into my third subpoint. We should be ready to go. Moses said in Psalm 90, verse 12 So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts. Unto wisdom. Moses was quite the man. Went through a lot of stuff in his life. Basically it his life is split into three even sections because for the first 40 years of his life he's in Egypt as an heir to the throne and then it says in Hebrews that he, he thought it better to follow God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season and so he left Egypt and he went to the backside of the desert and he was a shepherd to sheep for another 40 years And then when he's 80 years old, which is older than my grandfather, most people today are retired at that age and kind of relaxing, but that wasn't acceptable to God because God said to Moses, you're going to lead my people out of Israel, out of Egypt, into the promised land. And then, because the people about two or three weeks later, they got to the promised land, and they said, "Let's send out spies and the spies came back, and ten of them said, "There's giants in the land. we can't go in." Two of them said, "The Lord will fight for us. Let's go and take the land now." And because the people hearkened unto the ten and left the two standing alone. They were called to wander in the wilderness for 40 years until all of their generation died and only their children were left. There's only two people left from that group when they finally crossed over to the Promised Land. Does anybody remember who they were? Yes, on the far right? Who, what were their names? Yes? Joshua and Caleb. They were the only two. And it says that the ten spies that had brought back the evil report, they were killed almost immediately. Because God doesn't mess around. If he tells you to do something, you you better do it. my conclusion is this Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction over the last four weeks we've talked about some very important principles I'd encourage you to go back to my website and listen to all the messages back. I didn't get the third one posted this week, but it will be going up soon. And I'd encourage you to just listen over these messages. And when you get discouraged, hopefully they can help you to be encouraged. And maybe there's one or two particularly that God has convicted you about, just as he did me, and he wants you to surrender That part of your life to Him. And He wants you to commit to serving Him. And maybe you feel like a child, like Jeremiah that we talked about a few weeks ago. Maybe you feel inadequate, but you know what? That's a great prerequisite because Jesus said, I am come not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. What does this mean? I used to think, oh, that's obvious. If they're righteous, they don't need a Savior. But Jesus was using a little bit of sarcasm there. Because see, the Pharisees thought they were righteous. They thought they had it all together. And so Jesus says, there's no way I can help you because you think that you have everything figured out. But that's why he spent so much time with publicans and sinners. The people that were the refuse of society because they knew. They knew there was a problem and they knew where to go for a solution. And when they met Jesus Christ, everything changed. My friends, Jesus Christ is alive and well today, and He wants a personal, vibrant relationship with each and every one of you. He created you, and so He might know something about how He wants you to live your life. In His time, in His time, He makes all things beautiful in His time. Lord, please show me every day as You're teaching me Your way. That you do just what you say In your time In your time In your time You make all things beautiful In your time Lord, my life to you I bring May each song I have to sing Be to you a lovely thing In your time May that be the prayer of each and every one of us I've really enjoyed being here for these last few weeks and getting to know you guys a little bit. And, you know, if you want to stay in touch, you can look me up on uh, Facebook. You can look up my website, uh, which is uh, www.speakingforhim.com. That's www.speakingthenumberforhim.com. And I would be glad to talk to you further about any of these topics or any other topics that you may have questions about or maybe you just want uh, a friend to have a good conversation with. Um, But I'm grateful to Ben and to Isaac for the opportunity to be here. And Isaac, I wonder if you might close us in prayer. God, the Heavenly Father, we thank you for these uh, last few weeks. The lessons we've been able to have, Lord, about, uh, the things about us that You've uh, that You've made that we can't change, Lord. We pray that You would help us each to keep in mind that uh, You have us where we are for a specific purpose, Lord. You've made us the way we are for specific reasons. We pray that we would just keep this in mind and be uh, willing to do whatever it is You have us uh, to do. Lord, just pray these things in Your name. Amen. 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 Ice cream. Ice cream. Oh, oh. What's this? Game changer. Okay. <laughs>